0: You're listening to the Third Cup of Coffee podcast. So it's, you know, when, when you pastor, no, listen, when you pastor, it's, it's always a, like a, a blessing from the Lord when people who've known you for a long time go, I'd go to that church. I'm not kidding it really is a blessing to have friends go yeah I want to come worship I want to come be a part of that and so it's been such a joy to have them Uh, he was scheduled to speak last week and of course we we called an audible and turned left Um, and uh, he was very gracious with that so we are glad to have him with us Um, please welcome Ryan Couch thank you Randy everybody hear me okay is that good got my Starbucks this morning in honor of Randy. It was 15 years ago when I first visited Kansas City with my wife. There was all these really intense preachers on stages I'd go to and they'd be like, this, really intense. And then Randy would get up there and he's got his coffee cup and his jean jacket and his glasses and he would just say, you know, back in 1960 in San Francisco, I mean, it was just amazing. Starbucks pastor, I salute you. But hey, it is a privilege to be here with you all. My wife Jenny and I are here, our daughters Adley and Corey. And yeah, we have known the Bolanders for a while, but looking forward to getting to know more of you. have really enjoyed our 6 a.m.s on Monday, right, Paul and Jacqueline and all that. Dream stream has been fun. Lots of watermelon. Thank you, Daniel. And just really honor the leadership of the Bolanders, you know, Jeff and his wife, and of course Daniel and his wife. Really thankful that they've brought such a unique tribe together. Are we not? We're a unique tribe. Uh, Who was it the other day that said, um, you know, we have our lane, but it feels like our lane is like a 50-lane (laughs) superhighway. It's just like everybody's got this unique angle on our lane. And there's so much wealth and revelation and understanding and experience in this body. And so it truly is an honor to open the word. Amen? That's what we want, right? We want to hear from Jesus, not from a man. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my spirit has revealed this to you. Jesus said in John 5, right? don't search the scriptures thinking by doing so you have eternal life. Come to me of whom the scriptures speak. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. So let's just go before the Lord and, and just ask him to anoint both the hearing and the speaking this morning. Father, we thank you for gathering us today. In the midst of a busy school starting season, Lots of football games and practices, lots of meetings, lots of car time, lots of coming and going. Just acknowledge those in the room that are tired, feeling heavy laden, feeling weighed down this morning. We ask, Lord, that you would give us garments of praise for a spirit of heaviness, that you would meet us in this place, that you would open up your word and let it run swiftly and be glorified. Let's just take a moment in the quiet. I'm just thankful for Danny and leading worship that song. Your goodness is running after me. Do you know that's the testimony of your life and my life? Psalm 23 says, surely your goodness and your mercy will follow after me. Actually, in the Hebrew it says, it would chase me down, tackle me to the ground, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So Lord, will you catch us up in your story? Would you reveal your name this morning? Lord, we give up our own try for your I did. We give up our weakness for your strength. Did you know, brothers and sisters, that you are in Christ? Did you know that you are one spirit with the Son of God, the Bible says. No matter if you feel that or not, it is true reality in heavenly places. Did you know that you were crucified with Christ? How beautiful is the cross of Christ, amen? How beautiful is Calvary, where all our sins were washed away, hallelujah, there is a fountain from Emmanuel's veins. And when sinners plunge beneath that flood, they lose all their guilty stains. Hallelujah. We're just, can we just ruminate in the goodness of the Lord here? We'll get to the message, I promise. But we gotta—we got to come. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. We're talking about warfare today. <laughs> okay? So we got go to go into the name of the Lord. And in fact, realize that the name of the Lord is already in us. He wrote his name on our heart. And we our names those in Christ are written in heavenly places jesus said to the disciples don't rejoice that the demons submit to you rejoice that your name adley couch piper bolander jessica lima your name is written in heaven far above all principality and power might and dominion every lie every sickness every disease every fear our name is written in heaven. Therefore, rejoice and run into the name of the Lord. It is a strong tower. So we love the cross. We love that Calvary flow. But did you know, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Did you know you are united with him in his death, Romans 6 says. And if you're united with him in his death, beloved, that's our only hope, to be united with him in his resurrection. Hallelujah. You see, the gospel is not just for us to receive so we go to heaven one day. It is for us to receive heaven today. Today is the day of salvation. Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Now, do we always feel that? Oh, I love it when I feel it. But do we always feel it? No. But do we walk by sight? Or do we walk by faith? And the Bible promises... That he who began a good work in you at the day of your conversion, the day you said yes to Jesus, the day of salvation, he will be faithful to complete into the day of Christ Jesus. I'm going to say that again. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the throne on that great day. Perfect love at the cross demonstrated casts out all fear, beloved. And when we receive over and over and over again the revelation of that beautiful man, we must also receive the revelation of our place in Christ. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my hope, my song. You see, when I start getting my eyes on myself and my problems and my world becomes so big and God becomes so small, It's impossible for me not to worry. It's impossible for me not to be anxious. It's impossible for me not to be weighed down with many burdens. But when he becomes my all-consuming vision, when he becomes big in my eyes as the Holy Spirit leads me and yields truth to me by the innermost being, the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Not in a weird religious way, not in the holier-than-thou way, in a real, tangible way. Jesus said, he who thirsts out of his innermost being will flow rivers, torrents of living water. I want that this morning. (laughs) Lord, we thirst for righteousness. We ask you to reveal your name. Reveal your heart. Your goodness is running after us this morning. In spite of our weakness, In spite of our ability to surrender or say yes or not, even when we are faithless, the Bible says, he remains faithful. Isn't our God good? Isn't he good? Hallelujah. All of our sin, all of our shame, all of our striving, he was crucified with Christ. Your old man was crucified on that cross alongside of him. So when the devil comes to you and says, oh, you are weak, you'll never measure up, you're right, and that's why he went to the cross with Jesus. (laughs) Oh, but I got this fear, it's not enough, I can't overcome it. That's right, but this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Beloved, what is the shield of faith? What is the sword of the spirit? But the word of God. You think I'm preaching to you this morning? I'm preaching to me. (laughs) Take up the whole armor of God. Did you know that we are the body of Christ? This is a crazy verse. Been rocking my world recently, 1 John 4. We should talk about this, brothers. As he is, so are we in this world. You know, two of my favorite people, Mercy and Anna Bolander, two of my favorite people. They work at Chick-fil-A now. Did you guys know this? You should go visit them. It's really fun. Here's the cool thing. When you go to order... There's one twin. And then you go over to pick up your food. There's another twin. You know what happens? They go, hi, hi. And people go, ah. How did you get there so quick? Now, I know you are two people. Let's be clear. Two very independent, beautiful young ladies. But that's what it's supposed to be like in the body of Christ. Ah, I've seen that guy before. Ah, who is that? Oh, my gosh. It's the same Jesus through black, brown, white, old, young, rich, poor, slave, free. That's Jesus. And these turn the world upside down, Acts says. Why? Because it was said they had been with Jesus. Jesus called his disciples and he said this, I call that you would be with me and that you would go and preach. You know, the end of our faith is not just to preach. It's to be with Jesus. And for him, out of the expression, overflow of that flow of the Spirit within us, releasing the fragrance of Christ everywhere. This is our inheritance. And this is what we've been looking at in Ephesians. I think I'm on my first slide. Okay, we should probably get started. Part 10, Paul's burden for the Ephesian church, I think he expressed most clearly. Actually, in Galatians, he said... Beloved, I am again in birth pangs. I mean, how can a man inspired by the Holy Spirit ever say that he's in birth pangs? I mean, it's a little offensive. If a preacher got up and said that now, it'd be like women would be like, mm-hmm, nope, you don't know what that is. You know what you're talking about. But yet by the Holy Spirit he says, I am yearning, I am groaning that Christ be formed in you. Do you know that Jesus is not looking to build you up into a super saint? He doesn't need a better Paul, a better Ryan, a better Randy. In fact, he needs a dead Ryan, Paul, and Randy. And he needs Christ shining through that that weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. That's how there's no male or female in the body of Christ. And yet we still are, obviously male and female. There's still a Paul, there's still a me. And yet we are lost in the beauty of that man. And every unique expression in billions of souls coming into Christ can only in their own way uniquely demonstrate the glory of Jesus like no one else can. Isn't that awesome? There's a way that Randy yields Christ to the world that nobody else, past, present, future, can ever do, and that is his inheritance in Christ, to be like Christ in that way. He's good. Do we believe it? Do we receive it? All right, before I get even further. Hi, I'm Ryan. Put that up there. Just a little bit about me, real quick. That's me and my bride almost 20 years ago. Can you believe we got married that young? Look how skinny I was and how skinny she still is. (laughs) And that's us sitting on the steps to the Temple Mount in Israel, 2006. Love our passion for Israel. More about that later, I'm sure. And there, after we moved to Kansas City in 2008, our beautiful daughters. I got their permission to share this. I know, it's kind of like little princesses, but... She's so amazingly beautiful. Still, so is Corianna, who I don't think is in the room. Adley and Corey, and then here's us today. We have way too many pets. Let's just be honest. Right now, I don't know if you can handle this. We have Brownie, we have two cats, Siamese cats, and if those of you who came to Dreamstream, I'm sorry you saw that. And then our bunny recently passed away, but that's okay. He was a sweet bunny. And we hail from the great state of Texas. So him. Whoop. Um, I won't go there because it'll really drag me down after yesterday. That was bad. Uh, Tacos. Anybody love tacos? I'm a big Tex-Mex guy. Yeah? I mean, when I came to Kansas City in 2008, it was like Tex... I mean, remember this day? Tex-Mex, there was like no good Tex-Mex anywhere. Now it's everywhere. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, Love to read. Not just the word. Obviously love the word. Love to study. Been a pastor and preacher various years. And then, last but not least, I love to play tennis. Who's excited for Novak Djokovic today? Let's go. U.S. Open Championship. If you're a tennis fan, I'm a big tennis fan. And then... Yeah, what do I do? Oh, I'm actually a chief marketing officer at a local cybersecurity company. You say, didn't see that coming. Um, neither did I. Neither did I. Uh, after my wife and I were in full-time ministry about 14 years, man, came to the end of my rope. I was a burned out, broke pastor, really struggling, really wrestling with real deep issues. And if you find yourself there, I get it. And probably more ways than you know, and you've been places I've never been. But nonetheless, in that weakness, the Lord showed himself strong. I handed my resume in to a local tech startup when I was at the end of my rope. The Lord said, go there. And they took my resume and said, what do you do again? I said, "Uh, web design, marketing. And they said, hmm, we just fired our web guy yesterday. Good timing. Again, the Lord will chase us down, right? With his goodness. He's always been faithful. And four years later, I'm grateful to have had the favor of the Lord to become uh, an executive in the company. And now we're global, and it's really overwhelming for me. So play for me. (laughs) Yeah, my boss is on Shark Tank. It's a true story. Anyway, I'll tell you that later. So yeah, I am Ryan. Anything else? Oh yeah, everything you just said is what I like to do like every day, right? So It's my favorite movies of all time. Is Nacho Libre, just a big Nacho Libre fan. I apologize in advance for three or four more references to that you might hear today, just so you know. Okay, all right, so let's do it. People don't think I know crap about the gospel, but I do, okay? Okay. I too. <laughs> and that's when you're not invited back okay so let's dive in today's passage how many of you brought your bible i'm sorry i'm a texas baptist born and raised i love this bible i love to hold it up let's tear it apart let's make it awesomely more than it is in our minds today in jesus name so there's been a lot of scripture today. We'll have all the notes. I'm sure it'll be on you version or on the website or I don't know if this is being recorded or not. But if you have questions, thoughts, challenge everything, right? Be a Berean, test these things. Look at the word, see if what I'm saying is right. Spiritual warfare is controversial. Right? I mean, Randy had the marriage sermon. That was hard. I don't envy him. But now I got the spiritual warfare sermon. Ah, you know, it's kind of like but it's not us, right? It's Christ through us. And he's able to take our weakness. So, if you have your Bible or just look on the screen, I kind of like to read out loud. I like engagement, so laugh, amen, no way, brother, whatever you want to say, let's do it. So Ephesians 6, verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood or human humanity, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The fifth time the word heavenly places is used in Ephesians. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. So we had stand earlier and now we have withstand. And having done all to stand firm. And if he didn't use enough stands in verse 14, he says again, Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish, hallelujah, you can extinguish all the flaming darts. Some of the flaming darts, all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. I'm so grateful that this is a praying church. Every sermon, every meeting, every time we've gathered, we're a praying church. And that's because... The Trinity is a praying God, (laughs) right? Jesus ever lives to make intercession. I think it's charismatic sometimes. We love our little prayer meetings, right? We're passionate about what we do. Do you know there's someone that burns harder than we could ever burn? Do you know the fire on his altar never goes out? Ours, we say it never goes out, but maybe on occasion we have another meeting we have to kind of put it out. But guess what? That's okay, because his is never going out. It's his heart, and he's ever living to stand and make intercession on our behalf. Hallelujah. So let's kind of summarize what is this passage talking about. A reminder, we are in the book of Ephesians, in the first couple of chapters, which Randy and Jeff and then Daniel and others have shared. There's a lot about our wealth in Christ. If I could use three W's, I'd start with wealth. Who we are in him, the riches of his inheritance in us. And our inheritance in him. That we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That all blessings are yes and amen in Christ. Hallelujah. That Ephesians 1 run-on sentence is amazing. We have salvation, not by our own works, but by a gift of his grace. Not of ourselves, lest any man should boast, right? We've been brought into a new family where there's no longer Jew, Gentile. We're together, all one in Christ. He removed the dividing wall, Jeff preached on. And we could come together without circumcision or circumcision because guess what? Only God can circumcise the heart, and that's what matters more than physical circumcision. Amen? So there's this wealth, this idea of who you are in Christ to build you up in him. And then it turns to how we walk that out in Christ, right, in chapter 4 and then chapter 5. Relationally speaking, how do you walk that out in a real world with real suffering, real temptation, real trials, real trouble, right? How do you walk in the spirit together? How do you forgive one another, bear with one another? Husbands' wives, how does that work? Well, like Christ in the church, right? Slaves, masters, how does that work? And we do still have modern-day slavery. Sorry to hear, but it is true. We still have that. It's not good. So there's a walk that's happening there. And then in chapter 6, he turns his attention to warfare. So if you think of wealth, walk, and warfare, there's many other ways you can do it. I love watching my knees, sit, walk, stand a little bit, right? Because if you sit in Christ, then you walk in Christ, and then you stand in him, it's always in Christ, in fact, the most frequent phrase in the whole book is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, over and over again. Now, I know how we do, because I do it. You kind of skip past that, and you're like, yes, I know I'm in Christ. I mean, I get it. It's, it's the ABCs, but let's move on to D-E-F-G-H-I-J-K-L-M-M-P. But what Paul is trying to tell us, and what we're going to explore today, is that the gospel of Jesus is not just the ABCs of salvation, not just the elementary, it's the A to Z, my friends. The gospel of Jesus is the A to Z, which means that we are united with Christ in his crucifixion and in his resurrection. Has that happened yet? So the gospel better still be active. (laughs) And he ascended, right? And he gave gifts to men, which helps us in our present to walk the life of the Spirit. Amen? Did Jesus not say to his disciples, hey, it's better for me that I go away? Because if I go, I'll send you a helper. I'll send you a counselor. I mean, I'm the kind of one that's like, oh, Jesus, walk into the room. You know that song? I love that song. Walk into the room. It's all about you, Jesus. And yes, we want him to, by the Spirit, walk in the room. But Jesus said, it's better, like better for you, better for me, that the Spirit will come because he will take of what is Christ and make it known to us. But the moment we kind of leave the gospel behind, sometimes our temptation is to get into works. Anybody struggle with that? We get into, well, my obedience and and my ability and and my strength and and what I can do. And yet, Paul is clearly saying, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. So as we go through this, here's the summary. There's a real battle. Spiritual warfare is real. Let's just set the table right now. There are really angels. There are really demons. I get that if you're a person in this room who's not familiar with our faith and you think, wow, you guys are really spooky and crazy and that Nacho Libra thing is really over the top. I get it, but let me tell you, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I don't have enough faith to be a materialist, basically meaning that everything I see, touch, taste, feel is the only thing that exists. I've seen too many things, experienced too many things, to not fully grasp that what this ancient book, which was written over a couple thousand years by several different authors with different languages and yet somehow holds a cohesive whole over the centuries, which in of itself is a miracle, And if it says there's something objective, absolute, that's true, I'm prone to believe it because everything else in my culture is transient, chaotic, crazy, and this guy? Transient, transient, chaotic, and crazy apart from Christ. And so I'm letting this word sit over me, not me over this word. And if it says there's a real battle going on, I want to know what that looks like and how I participate, if I participate. And I get it. Sometimes you want to be like, man, I'm going to be the uh, whatever country, I won't call it any specific countries, in World War II that decided, you know what, you guys fight. I'm not going to be involved. Actually, the battle is raging all around us. And whether we like it or not, we're in the fray. And so Paul wants to equip us to understand how to walk in Jesus' way. And Jesus' way is always what? Light. Easy. His commands are not Burdensome. Come to me, all who are weary, I'll give you rest. Did you know there's a way to fight by not fighting? There's a way to win by not having to exert force? The Bible teaches us that victory is the Lord's. Remember David when he was going against that big, mighty Goliath? What did he say? You come at me with sword and spear. I come at you with the name of the Lord, for victory is the Lord's. Remember Jehoshaphat, when he was surrounded by the armies, First Chronicles 20, and he said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And the word of the Lord came to Asa the prophet, and he said, hear you, all you Jews. You must now stand and see the victory of our Lord, for the battle is the Lord's. So we're going to talk more about that. So our battle is real, but it's not against human forces. It was sometimes in the Old Testament, to be clear. It's not that anymore. But rather against supernatural powers. Therefore, we must put on the whole armor of God so that we will be strong in the Lord, resist the schemes of the enemy, and be found standing in the evil days. So I have some questions that I'm wrestling through. I invite you to wrestle with me. What does victory look like in spiritual warfare? As I mentioned before, I was raised Baptist, but I was also sprinkled Methodist, Went to Sunday school confirmation as a Presbyterian. My grandfather was Catholic and took me to midnight mass. Uh, and then, as I grew up and went to college, I became more open to charismatic and was baptized in the Holy Spirit, became a Baptist. And at a ministry down the road, I was the guy they always brought into meetings to say, teach these guys about what we do because they don't get it. <laughs> Show them where it is in the scripture. And so Acts was usually always where I'd go and talk to people about it. And it was a joyous, glorious, painful process, as we all know pastoring can be, those who. So in all of those circles, spiritual warfare means different things to different people. I'm not interested in what it means to them. I want to know what it meant to Paul and to the Holy Spirit. And if that means my boxes get broken a little bit, I'm okay with that. Because I'm still in process. Are you? Yes. <laughs> do you have it all together? <laughs> have you figured it all out? So let's wrestle through these things as a community and trust the Lord to help us. So what is victory in spiritual warfare? You do a study of the New Testament of what victory is. Here's one of the main passages that comes up in 1 Corinthians 15. O death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Now, what does Paul mean by the law? Over and over again, when he talks about the law, he means the old covenant primarily centered on Moses, the Ten Commandments, and that which was ratified at Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus. And all of the later commands and ordinances and requirements that God said, do this or else, that's the law. Now, God gave the law for a reason because the law is holy, and we'll get to that in a minute, But Paul is clearly saying, the point I want you to get here is, the power of sin is in the law, and of course, we know the wages of sin is death. So follow the track, law leads to sin, sin leads to death. Say, how does law lead to sin? Romans 7, read it. Paul says this, I would not know what sin was except for the law. The law showed me, as a mirror does, my inadequacy. How many of you are well familiar with your own inadequacy? (laughs) And how many of you go to church and feel even worse about yourself? (laughs) That's because, unfortunately, even though we're in the New Covenant, we often preach the law because we feel like if we preach the law, people will actually be more obedient. We don't want them to be lawless because, heaven forbid, if they're lawless, they'll be sinners. But actually, Paul says in Romans 6, that sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. You see, the deception that the enemy likes to pull at us is that we have to preach the law in order to get people to obey. In fact, Titus 2.9 says it this way, the grace of God has been revealed to us, teaching us to deny worldly lusts and to live godly, upright lives in this present age. In fact, when law came, sin was revived what happens when we preach the law is actually that that mirror comes back and haunts us and we go running away from our inaccuracy and into the arms of darkness. But when truth comes, when grace comes, it equips us to live out the life of Christ from the inside out. All right, just teasing you here just a little bit. But thanks be to God. Who gives us the victory. How in spiritual warfare? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next passage, Colossians 2. And we're studying what is warfare. So if the victory is in Jesus Christ, then victory is a person. Hallelujah. Do you know the victory over your fear, my sickness, our problems, our fears is a person? It's not a method. It's not a strategy. It's not a new book. It's not a new fangled way that we can figure out how to get the victory. It's a person. It's Jesus Have you conquered sin, death, and the grave? No, but through Christ, yes, you have, hallelujah. Colossians 2, 13, and you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. So here we go again. It's the law, it's debt, it's sin, and what did Jesus do? He forgave us all our transgressions and set aside the law and its legal demands and nailed it to the cross. So not only did Jesus die for our sins to wash them clean, he actually canceled the written code that was against us. Isn't that good news? And he directly connects that canceling of the written record of our sin with the disarming of rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Now, how often do we connect the two? Oh, I'm saved at the cross back here. Thank you, Jesus. I'm saved. Now, let's get on with the victory. Come on. The battle is ready. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight like never before. I'm going to keep it going. In fact, perhaps the enemy's tactic is to get us to move off of gospel ground. Because the moment I set myself underneath rulers and authorities by trying to do anything outside of Christ and his finished work, the more I start playing with my own dummy weapons that actually have no power. But let's keep going. Okay, Ryan, I hear you. But that's past. What about now? Jesus did that in the past, but I got real problems now. I got trials now. I got warfare going on now. Yes, we all do. But thanks be to God, 2 Corinthians 2.14, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. How many of you feel like you always are led in triumph in Christ? No. Let's just be honest. We're a family. Let's look at it. You know why? It's because you had not been baptized. I tell you, that's why we never win. You have not been baptized. Now we joke, but is that not true? Is that not what we do? You know, brother, I'm praying for you, but I tell you what, I saw the CD in your car you were listening to. I just tell you, if you don't have that CD, then maybe all my prayers in the world won't work until you get obedient. Someone asked Jesus one time, Jesus, what's the work of God that we should do? What's the work that we should do? What's the, what's the best, most important thing? He said, this is the work God has for you, to believe in the one who is sent. And this is eternal life, that you would know him and the one who sent him. He say, but brother, I'm wrestling with that. Don't we still have to obey? Do you want to obey in your strength or God's? Did you prepare works for yourself in advance that you should walk in them? Hebrews 4 says, Strive, therefore, to enter his rest. For he who has entered Christ's rest has ceased from his works as God has ceased from his and sat down at the right hand of power. Jesus is not worried about how obedient you are because his obedience is enough. And when you realize that and let go of the striving, oh, the grace of God will work in you so mightily, he is able both to will and to do according to his good pleasure in you and in me. Oh, but I can't trust because I'll go back into licentiousness. I'll go back into free grace, cheap grace. I'm not worried. I'm worried about that. Well, let's continue. How does a defeated enemy fight? So we just talked about how Satan is defeated at the cross. In fact, the rulers and authorities are disarmed, and yet we all know every day the enemy's weapons are still active, right? He's still at work in the media and the culture and the government and the family or what's left of it. So how does the defeated enemy fight? Let's look at the word Satan. The word Hasatan, or the Satan in Hebrew, is literally the accuser. Or it's a legal term actually used to describe a prosecutor, someone who's on the other side of you, prosecuting you, telling you that you are guilty. Does Satan ever come to you and tell you how guilty you are? All the time to me. Tell you how you never measure up. You think you're going to get up and speak this morning? (laughs) Right? How dare you! That is the enemy. But do you know that we can also Satan one another? <laughs> the word Satan is not just a noun, it's a verb. Look at Psalm 38, 21, those who render me evil for good satan me because I follow after good. Oh Lord, keep us from sataning one another and help us to pray for one another. And yet I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, so if I speak a word against somebody from heavenly places, what am I doing? How does the accuser of brethren stand before the throne night and day when been kicked out of heaven? Lord, help me. We have two stories of this. Job 1, Zechariah 3, Job and Joshua stand before the accuser. And what does he do both times? He says, yeah, Job, I saw him. It's like that old Jesus video. Have you seen that video of Jesus? like, now, Peter, I saw you smoking behind the bushes. And Matthew, don't even be thinking about it because I saw a girl go off with you over there. It's not Jesus. That's not how he talked. That's not him. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're probably not over 40. But, nonetheless. (laughs) Satan stands before to accuse. And, in fact, Joshua, when he stood up there, in dirty robes, God said, silent Satan! Remove those dirty robes and give him clean robes of my righteousness." He is not a brand plucked from the fire to stand before me. And then, because Jesus, God just is obsessed with Jesus, right? I mean, it's like he's just obsessed with his son. He says, "And be, behold, I will do a new thing, and I'll raise up a righteous branch for Israel." He prophesies. So, do you know that every time? Satan accuses us, it reminds God of what Jesus has done. So shouldn't we as well? Every time Satan accuses you, remind the devil that you were crucified with Christ. In fact, you can even tell him, you know what? You're right, I'm not perfect. You're right, I don't measure up. But yet Christ does. And my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest charismatic prophetic frame. But holy lean, holy lean. Oh, it's so tough for us to holy lean because I'm like, oh, those guys holy lean and do nothing. I'm the one that's gonna take this by storm and I'm gonna all of a sudden we stop wholly leaning on Jesus' name and start climbing the mountain to get our ego powers. Not so good. There's good news though. Paul says, I know I'm making my daughter laugh. In Revelation 12, he says that one day the accuser of our brethren will be cast down. Let's not partner with him. Let's trust in Christ and let the accuser be cast down. Alright, I better pick it up here. So that's Satan. Satan. So what does it mean to be strong in the Lord against Satan? How do we stand in the strength of his might? Well, we know what it takes to be strong in the natural. How about me with these guys? Where's Mana? I don't think Mana's here today. Ethan's here. This is what it takes to be strong in the natural. You go and you lift weights, and you grow up, and you level up, and all of a sudden, you're benching more than you ever had, and you're maxing your PR, and you're feeling good. I only know those terms because my wife does that. I don't do any of that. We got to go watch you guys play last weekend. I heard you won on Friday night. Congratulations, <laughs> for getting the victory. All those that are winning those battles, we know what it takes to be strong in the natural, but remember, the Bible says don't war, don't fight according to the flesh. That doesn't just mean we don't fight with physical fists. It means we don't fight like the world fights. We don't train like the world trains. The, train says, uh, the world says train and level up. Jesus says... Go deeper, go lower in me. So what does it mean to be strong? How do you strong, not in the flesh? Look at this next word here in Ephesians 6.10. Finally be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. The Greek there is actually, I can't even pronounce it right, in dunamu, or oh. Ironically, sorry, a little bit of academician, Present passive imperative. What does that mean? That means you need to passively be strong in the Lord. How can we be passively strong in the Lord? That makes no sense. But I looked, at it's like 10 different places this is used, and it's basically being like yield to receive strength. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. You don't gain it in any other way but by receiving it. In fact, The literal translation of to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power is to be clothed with his power. To sink into his power as into a garment. How do you do that? By trusting in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Hallelujah. So obviously this is super important. There's actually several more verses in Ephesians, Philippians. I won't read them all. I'm going to go to that next slide. That talk about being strong in the Lord. But for what? Sorry, next slide. There we go. Let's take a little trip down memory lane real quick. Eve in the garden. Let's learn from her battle. Remember when Satan came to her and said what? Did God really say you can't eat the tree or even touch it? In fact, God never said you can't touch it. If you go back. He actually said you just can't eat of it. But touching it, obviously you eat it. And yet he says, don't worry, for the moment you eat of it, he knows that you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. You know, I actually think Eve wasn't like, time to rebel. I think Eve was actually like, I love Jesus. Or in her mind, she didn't know the name Jesus. I love God, Yahweh. I want to be like him. Of course I want to be like him. In fact, perhaps Satan's greatest deception is not wokeism, Perhaps his greatest deception is not the obvious iniquity that we see every day. Oh, clearly that's a deception. But perhaps Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Perhaps he tries to get us to earn our way into what Jesus already did. Perhaps he tries to get us to be clothed with our own strength instead of the strength of the Lord. I don't think Eve, again, was trying to take that fruit to be mad at God because she was greedy. She wanted to be like God. But guess what? She already was like God. In fact, the separation came when? When she ate it trying to be like God. "Ah, Okay, I kind of see that. What about Jesus in the wilderness? How does Satan go after him? He questions first that his father loves him. You're really hungry out here, Jesus. Go ahead and take this bread If he's not going to provide for you, provide for yourself. I mean, you're God in flesh. Just do it. Questioning God's provision in your life. You ever had that challenge? (laughs) How about the second one? Hey, throw yourself down. See if he catches you. And every time, what does Jesus do? He responds with the word. It is written. The battle is the Lord's. My friends, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Didn't use his own wisdom. Didn't use his own newfangled words, but used words that he had already read that were recorded and written down in the only scripture that he had. How much more shall we fight with the logos? And then lastly, destiny. He said, look, see all these kingdoms? They're mine. Just bow down to me and I will give you your destiny. What is Jesus' destiny? To inherit the nations. To have every tribe, tongue, and nation represented before his throne, giving glory. Let the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. Of course, why would he not want to take that and not go through the cross to get it? And yet he says, "Get behind me. You shall only worship God alone. So the Lord will tempt you to take your destiny, my destiny, apart from his power, his strength. So if that's the battle... Let's just skip a couple of slides here and go to learning from the past. The enemy wins when he can get us to fight on his terms. When he can get us to fight on his territory and his ground, which is all about our strength and not God's, he wins. If he can get us to doubt the faithfulness and the goodness of Christ in the midst of your say, you say, but brother, I prayed, and I still have this disease. Do you believe you'll have that disease for eternity? So what's more real, the disease you have now or your eternal state? I know, you say, brother, but it's easy for you to say. Yeah, how do you know I don't have a disease? (laughs) Are we looking to eternity for our reality or the temporary, which is passing away? It's hard, and that's why we put on the whole armor of God. So, skip two slides. How do we actually, I'll send you the whole notes later. You can go read all the scriptures. How exactly would we put on metaphor armor? <laughs> you ever thought about that? These are all metaphors. Breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, helmet of salvation. You ever done that before? I've totally done it. It's like, okay, Lord, this morning I take up the armor of God. I put on this. I put on that. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, brought something today. Someone gave me this this week. This is a Super Bowl championship ring. From the Kansas City Chiefs. Looks pretty cool, doesn't it? Guess what? It's not real. It's a replica. Our company has a stadium suite at Arrowhead. So, everybody has a stadium suite, gets one of these it's in our office. I thought, that's a good example. I could wear this around and be like, man, I have I know, Pat Mahomes, my friend. I'm saying, I got this. I know these football guys are like, can I see that? And, yes, you can. You know, it's like, I got this. Guess what? I didn't play the game, I didn't win the championship. Those who did have the real thing. Do I want to wear the replica or do I want to wear the real thing? It's the same with the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of Ryan. Put on the whole armor of all that you've been through. Oh, you've been through a lot, so put it on. No, put on the whole armor of God. In fact, the word, we keep going there, take up, fastened, having put on, take up, take up, all of those things are also translated as yield to or receive. This is his armor. You need proof? Next one. Every piece of armor in the New Testament. Belt of truth, Isaiah 11, righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness, truth, the belt of his loins. Isaiah 59, he put on righteousness as a breast trait and a helmet of salvation on his head. Sound familiar? Isaiah 52, how beautiful the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news, the peace of the gospel. The shield of flesh, you bless the Lord, Psalm 5, to cover him with favor as with a shield. Psalm 49, 2, he made my mouth like a sharp sword. Beloved, we are in Christ. We wear his armor. It's as if Pat Mahomes said, you're in me, you played the game, you take my ring. That's good news. And it's good news because it's not fake, it's not a replica, it's not just spiritual mantras. It's real. His power is real. We've seen it in our lives. His gospel transforms us from the inside out. Therefore, be clothed with Christ. It's the same word for be putting on the armor. We don't have time to get to it, but put on the new self. The Bible says in Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4. This is something that we already are. Our identity in Christ equips us with full armor. So when you ask yourself, hey, am I really in the full armor or not, ask yourself this, am I trusting in anything else but the finished work of Christ? Am I I trusting anything or am I believing lies? Because this is what the enemy does. He tries to come against our identity, gospel identity stand. And if he can get us on his territory, believing his lies, he'll get a stronghold in us. A stronghold of fear, a stronghold of doubt, a stronghold of never good enough, and then, guess what? He'll get us to fight from that place with our dummy weapons. It's Christ and me, the hope of glory. I'll tell some of these stories later, but here's another one I want to hit. 2 Corinthians 10, you can go over real spiritual warfare. I've learned real spiritual warfare is truth versus lies. That's what it is. It's not demons versus angels. It's truth versus lies. Sure, there's a demonic component, there's an angelic component, but... Truth sets the captives free. Amen? So look at this, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. We walk in the flesh, but not after the flesh. Our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What does that mean? That basically means our battle is here, and it's here. It's not primarily up in the heavenlies. That's where it manifests, but it manifests because people on the earth give power to demonic institutions by believing lies. Or Christians take their stand, seated far above principality and power, and fight from faith and not from fear. So, challenge. Be careful, because I've been a part of a lot of strange groups, let me tell you, thankfully this isn't one of them, where they love to do warfare like this. Fasted so long, I prayed so much, I did all this crazy stuff, and that gives me the unique power to unleash. Superpower. Look what it says in 2 Peter 10, 2, sorry, 2, verse 10. Bold and arrogant. These are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings, yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful. Do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. Does the Lord bring judgment to demonic powers? Yes. And yet not even angels who are much stronger than us try to go at these powers. In fact, why should we? We're already seated far above all principalities and powers. We are in him. And Jesus said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I don't need to take back what's already his. I don't need to earn ground that's already his. And yet, the Satan still exists, right? Keep on going there. The enemy's schemes are still around. Skip some of this. Why doesn't God just destroy the enemy right now? You ever ask that? Can't wait for Kelsey to preach on this in a few weeks. Come on, next one. Romans 16, 19 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. You should get a lot more reaction than that. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath Jesus' feet? No, but yes. Do you see when Ephesians 4 says we will grow into the full stature of the measure of Christ? We will become a mature man lacking nothing. We will, as the body of Christ, come together, every tribe, nation, and tongue, together demonstrate God's manifold wisdom unto the powers, Ephesians 3. How do we do that? By walking in Christ and by standing firm in Christ. Let's stand if Danny wants to come up or whoever, kind of close this out. You can just go to that last slide there. I just felt this morning to pray specifically Romans 8, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The enemy wants to get you back and me back on legalistic terms where we're earning and proving and trying to grow the next level. You know someone once said new levels, new devils And when it comes to warfare? I actually agree with that, but I'm already at the highest level <laughs> Come on, are we not? Yeah. Okay. Why am I wrestling with new levels and new devils? Because I'm trying to do it by levels You say, but brother, you don't really understand the spiritual realm Oh, did Paul not understand it? Because that's what he said even bolder than what I just did but what the enemy loves to do is to heap condemnation on us. Tell us we're not enough. Tell us that we'll never be able to overcome this fear, overcome this doubt, overcome this sickness, this relational problem, overcome this addiction. Beloved, the battle is not out there. It's in here. It's in here. He said, take up the full armor of God. So let's just declare this together. Just close your eyes, and as Danny just plays, I'm just going to declare these scriptures over us. The Bible says, I am one spirit. And if if these phrases, if anything resonates with you, just feel free to repeat it. I receive my identity as a son or a daughter, fully accepted in the beloved by faith. I am one spirit with Christ, not because of my faithfulness, but because of his faithfulness. I believe his obedience is my anchor and will empower my obedience. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, and His righteousness gives me confidence and guards my heart like a breastplate. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me, and I am now on the sure foundation of the gospel. My feet are prepared my feet are shod with the good news of the gospel that brings peace and reconciliation between man and God. I am a minister of the new covenant and the ministry of righteousness. Hey, the ministry of condemnation, it has a glory. Believe me, there's a lot of sin preachers out there, law preachers, and there's a glory to it. But 2 Corinthians 3 says, the ministry of condemnation is passing away. Behold, the ministry of righteousness is far more glorious if Moses' face shone on Mount Sinai, how much Jesus' faith on Mount Zion. I am the righteousness of God through Christ. Salvation lives in me. And therefore, the life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have a living and active hope that will not disappoint Though I face trials in this world, I will take heart because Christ has overcome the world. I believe His Word dwells in me. The sharp, double-edged sword of the Word is now written on my heart because the Word of God Himself lives in me. So, Lord, we pray right now that we would be clothed in the full armor of God by faith and that when the inevitable accusations, those fiery darts come against us that this week we would lift the shield of faith that you would lift our hands just as Moses could not lift his own hands let us come around one another and speak words of life and encouragement and and lift one another up this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith so Lord we pray for faith to arise take us from glory to glory let faith arise let us live by faith and Lord let us take the word of the Lord as our sword it's held up by truth in the Roman day they had the armor and the truth actually held or sorry the belt held up all of the weapons and so there's a unique connection between the belt of truth and the sword of the Lord Lord would you keep us strong in your truth would you break off lies even right now We confess we are prone to condemnation. We are prone to offering our strength. We receive yours. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. That you may withstand in the evil day. Lord, I pray for many that are facing evil days right now. We come around them, we strengthen them. We ask that you pour out your spirit on them and show them who they are in Christ, that you will always lead them in triumph. Even if we don't see it, give us grace to believe it and to walk out your heart, your plans, and your obedience through us. Oh, thank you, Lord, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and that you work all things together for good, for your sons and daughters. We worship you. We bless you. We thank you. Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen and amen. Grace, grace. Have a fantastic Sunday.